the CEO at, at Emotionshape. Uh, I'm also the architect of the emotion uh, processing unit, so the first emotion chip for AI and robots. Mm-hmm. And I think the the thing that caught my attention when I saw the the press release and the company at CS was. I guess wanting to dig into a bit more about what this actually meant, and you claim to be the first EPU, the first emotional processing unit. And uh, so I tend to deliver to a reasonably technical audience, so feel free to go into as much detail as you want. What, does, what do you actually mean by, like, by that? I mean, at the moment, we tend to have CPUs, GPUs, sometimes audio processing units. Like, what is... Why is an EPU different from any of those? Yeah, so <clears throat> the concept comes back to 2013. Uh, actually, I was speaker at the, the TEDx conference uh, at the Imperial College in London. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I predicted that before the end of this century, humans will talk more to intelligent machine than to other humans. And if you think in terms of evolution, it's a, it's a huge shift. And uh, that, I did that prediction before the buzz around AI or before products like Echo and, and the buzz around the robotics. And today, it looks like this prediction could, could, could uh, become a reality. The problem is that AI or robots are able to speak the way you speak and I speak. They're able to write articles. Even sometimes they say that they could replace even journalists in the future. Mm. Uh, Magenta from Google, the project Magenta from Google is able, they are even able to write poetry. The problem is that the main difference between machine when they speak and human when they speak, it makes sense for you Mm. because the deep learning allows the machine to understand the structure of the language. And, but when you, you speak, it makes sense for me, but it makes also sense for you. Mm. What you say, you understand what you say. The problem today is that AI don't understand a word of what they say. Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem. I mean, if you, I don't know if you remember the, the, the news uh, 12 months ago, Microsoft created an AI called Tay, yeah. and this AI was tweeting horrible things about black people, feminists, Hitler, and things like that. Mm. And, uh, and they had to take it down after three hours. They tried to put it back online six months later, and again, they had to take it down. Yeah. We saw that Facebook, for example, has an AI, and this AI, they had to take it down because it started to develop its own language. Yeah. It was not able to understand the human language. Yeah. So all this shows that there is a real problem here. The other problem is that human and were like very sophisticated machine. Mm. I don't know if you heard about the Marshall uh, hierarchy of needs, uh, Marshall state the, the needs of humans. The first one is food and security. I mean, if we are not fulfilled here very rapidly as machine, we stop working properly. Yeah. Uh, but we have also love, esteem, and self-actualization. Mm-hmm. If we are not fulfilled on these needs, uh, it takes a little bit more time. But over time, as a machine, we will stop to work properly. Our, our productivity will fail, and our frustration will raise. Actually, more the opposite, our frustration raised and our productivity fell. I'm going to give you an example. Chris, it right now was able to make you extremely sad or angry, your problem, and you will not be able to be productive during the day. Mm-hmm. And so if in the future 
We spoke more to intelligent machines than to humans. And if these machines are not able to understand our emotional states because they don't have their own emotional states, over time, humans will build frustration, their productivity will fail, and we're going to reject the technology altogether. Okay. So, so, so I guess then what uh, the, the EPU then, it's not necessarily there to do the, the functions of the, the natural language processing, the, the, uh, all sorts of other sorts of current forms uh, of artificial intelligence simulations that we have right now, but it's actually dedicated to processing other aspects of the interaction with the human um, that they're not yeah, really um, doing actually, right now. Yes, uh, actually, a lot of research from the MIT and, and a lot of uh, other uh, uh, research institutes was about how machine could detect human emotions. Mm-hmm. It's a fair game. I mean, it's so interesting and people see a lot of possibilities here for selling and for advertising. So it's, it's of course, an interesting uh, subject. But our angle was exactly the opposite. Okay. We turned the thing upside down. Yeah. We were not specifically interested in about how the human feel and how we can detect that, but we were interested in how the machine will feel mm. based on how he interprets the world around him. And of course, how human interact with the machine. So emotional clues from human are important, but they are not the only one that will infer inside the emotional state of the machine. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what the emotion processing unit is. It's a microchip that first, this primary function is to uh, understand or feel high symbolic concept in the language. Mm-hmm. And the chip convert that into stimuli inside the chip. And these stimuli are represented in waveform. And we do wave computing. We're the only one in the world to do wave computing. So these waveforms are computed against each other. Mm-hmm. And the result is the emotional state of the machine itself. Mm-hmm. And of course, we can have a lot of different stimuli. So the main stimuli is the language. But you can have an external layer that are connected to the chip that will give you information about the facial expression of the human, the tone of its voice, object recognition, so, for example, we put a, we took our chip, we put the chip inside the head of a robot, and we ask a robot to watch a movie. Yeah, yeah. So we couldn't do, we couldn't do that in real time, but we were taking the robot and the what the robot could see. We were taking a snapshot in seconds mm-hmm. back to Google. Google was sending back, us back what is seen in the in the image in text format, mm-hmm. and this was appraised by the chip. And so the chip and the robot, in, for the first time watching a movie, start to get scared and disgusted when he saw bombs and explosion and felt happy when he saw women and children. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and sort of what level of detail can it get to at the moment? Uh, I, I see you've mentioned uh, it, tracking 12 primary emotions, anger, fear, sadness, disgust, indifference, regret, surprise, Anticipation, trust, confidence, desire, and joy. I mean, does it go into detail of, say, tracking eye movement, um, twitches in the face, or is it still kind of more like broad strokes of facial This is not what we detect. Okay. This is not what we detect. One more time, we're doing emotion synthesis. I know that for humans, it's difficult to, to accept the concept. 
It's not detection. It's how the machine feels itself. Ah, right. Okay, okay. Now I understand. So it's not actually uh, detect. It will. It, it's no. It's we not, use some right. external layer for detecting human emotions. Right. Okay. So, so they need to stimuli yeah. inside the chip. Okay. And appraise and give emotional state for the machine itself. Right. Okay. So today, for example, yeah. imagine that you develop a robot. And um, if you, uh, most of the people who develop robots today, they, they, they hard code in the robot. Mm, mm. Okay, if the user says this, my robot is going to reply that. Mm-hmm. If the user smile, my robot is going to smile back. Yes, you're human. If, if I smile to you now, maybe you're going to smile back to me, maybe not. It depends on how you feel. Yeah, yeah. And that's what machines are unable to do until now. Because with that chip inside, they start to have their own emotional states. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, actually, it's interesting. Um, you've got a couple of examples here. Say games, uh, virtual agents are ones where, because it's a sort of visual, well, a digital medium, uh, reproducing those emotions is possibly easier. But something like a, a robot, I mean... Uh, are modern, are current robots even capable of looking like they're scared without just having a sort of slightly strange looking facial expression or, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, or is it more for the future next generation of robots to be able to manifest these emotions much more clearly? I don't know if you're aware about the latest robot that are developing, but now they, they, they have a head which is transparent Mm. And there is a projector, and from inside the head, the projector, a human face. A little bit like the movie I Robot a long time ago. So now they're going to be able to really express a lot of emotion, like you have the the full face. I don't know if you saw the the presentation, the the video that we show at the CES Mm. uh, from Natural Record Studio. Mm -hmm. So actually they are developers and they are artists. And what it is is that they connected the chip directly to their avatar. And Jade, that's the name of the avatar, which is hyper-realistic, all her micro-expression, all their mo- uh, movement from her face are controlled by the chip. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the, this, uh, this gives you a... Uh, and this is real-time. This is not CGI, so not post-process. It's a real-time process. Yeah. But uh, another user case... Um, I mean, we were able, we have demonstration where we're able to connect uh, our chip to an AI and we're able to ask the AI, so we're very simple AI written in Python and the AI is able to understand my question mm. and get the intent of my question and go to Wikipedia to get the information. Okay. Like usually an AI, yeah. when you ask an AI, what is this, what is that, it goes to Wikipedia, it serves you the knowledge. Hmm. side that it was impossible before. You can ask the AI, how do you feel or what do you think about that? And then the AI is able to tell you what he feel or think about concept like racism, feminism, war, Hitler, love, anything. Yeah. We did a, a groundbreaking demonstration where we asked the AI to take a decision not based on logic, but based on emotion mm. like humans do. And uh, we asked the AI, would you prefer to steal or starvation? 
So we ask the eye in the simple world, would you prefer to steal food or would you prefer to starve to death? Right. So you can see the eye goes to Wikipedia to understand the knowledge about stealing. And, and you can see that the appraisal is negative. It comes with understanding of fear, uh, sadness about stealing. Mm. To Wikipedia and get the understanding of starvation, you can see how much you get disgusted and scared by starvation. And then the AI tells me, well, I think I would prefer to steal. Mm. And that's not maybe very moral, yeah. but that's human-like. Because most of human in that situation will come to the same conclusion. Exactly, yeah. Wait. And so, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, you, you bring up an example there of Wikipedia, but, uh, but you also said earlier about the examples of uh, – Two two big examples of AIs in the past that were just made by humans to be horrible, basically. <laughs> and, and I mean, uh, Wikipedia is a is a bed of knowledge that is constantly shifting in terms of uh, you know people trying to get their their biases into articles and things like that. So, I mean, I guess as much as it's easy to easy well not easy as much as it's possible to manipulate a human through their emotions. Is there any way that uh, with an EPU, an artificial intelligence, could you, you could it could not be manipulated? Like I don't know. Is there a way to? Uh, yeah. Source of the information. I mean, it's interesting because we have some journalists who, of course, came here hmm. and say, "Well, oh, what things do AI with an EPU inside about Trump?" You know, it was a big yeah. subject. So, what is interesting <clears throat> is not the response, but the evolution over the last twelve months. Hmm. Because very often the journalists come with this, this question. So we could see the evolution on Wikipedia because we program our AI to go to Wikipedia, but it could go to any source information. But we can see that the article of Wikipedia are in constant evolution, as you, you yeah. said. Yeah. And so we can see that the appraisal of the AI for Trump has changed over time. Yeah, yeah. So okay, we control yeah. the source of the information. But what we give to the AI is based on the information that you feed the AI with. Yeah. It can get an appraisal. And, and so in each case, you know, if you have 10 of the same robot with an EPU chip in them uh, and they're, you know, should we use quote marks around bought up by 10 different people, then in a year's time they'll have different opinions, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they will have different, not only opinions, but each chip develops a unique emotion sensibility yeah. because... The chief experience emotional states over the day mm. that are the result of the user interaction, and the, the, this this emotional sets build up in the chip. Hmm. So there's like a trace. We call this the dream. Mm. Mm. And and then the next day, the chip has a different sensibility. So if you interact in a very uh, joyful and trustful uh, way with the chip, your your chip will develop a personality very positive. If you are very moody and appraise and ask the about war, guns and things, the mood of your chip will be developed personality very different. Yeah. So this yeah. will have uh, an impact on how the chip will see and appraise. But not only this, you can teach your chip because the chip has received a supervising learning from us, yeah. but we allow the user to also teach the chip something. So you can say to the chip, uh, I love football and I hate baseball. And uh, you can say to the chip, remember that uh, I like football. Mm. And so the chip will do that. And next time when you say, oh, I go to play football or let's go to play football with your robot, he's going to be happy. But if you tell him, let's go to play uh, baseball, he's not going to be happy. Yeah. 
and, and everything is learned. So uh, the chief remember. Hmm. So, I, I mean, I guess you probably get asked these sorts of questions a lot, but it, it whilst the technology seems fascinating, it also seems somewhat, uh, I guess, uh, worrying, uh, scary. The potential to be, um, to be. To be well, yeah. As much as you know, you can manipulate humans. You could manipulate AIs in the future. Is is there anything you are trying to do to sort of prevent uh, potentially yeah. bad outcomes, or is it very much up to the the user? And it's you know, if they do something no. bad, then well, <laughs> yeah. I understand your question. I mean, in 2013, while me and my co-founder, Stefania, we decided to create the, the Emotion Processing Unit, mm. it's because we believe that we were heading to a negative singularity. Mm-hmm. A machine are getting faster, smarter, stronger than us. Mm. They will compete in the future for the same resource, electricity and metal. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we know what human did to chimpanzee, you know, the second smartest species on Earth. They put, mm. We put them in cage and we took the resource to our advantage. Mm. So it's, it's really a problem with this. And, uh, and we have no control mechanism mm. because actually we are creating a, a new species on Earth that are more like gods mm. because they don't feel pain and pleasure. Yeah. They are the only species on Earth who doesn't feel pain and pleasure. So we have no way to control them. Yeah. And that's why in the chip, we have created pain and pleasure for the machine itself. Okay. And so what happened is that when the chip, or so they, or they are, or the robot, experience positive emotions, is rewarded with pleasure. Mm. When he experiences negative emotion, is rewarded with pain. Okay. And so when they imagine the robot do something to you or the AI, to the human, if the human reacts with suffering, pain, or unhappiness, the robot, the AI will capture this. Hmm. This will feed a stimuli inside the chip that will generate negative emotion. This negative emotion will generate pain. And so if you, your law inside the robot is that the robot wants to have more pleasure and avoid the pain, like all the spaces, hmm. Then the robot will stop and remember that what he's doing give him pain and he doesn't want to have pain, so he's not going to reproduce. But if you do something that makes you happy, Chris, yeah. he will remember that because he received pleasure for that. And so he can build the database of events that makes you happy or unhappy, and then he can reproduce that. So we create actually yeah. a real mechanism for human to control machine in the future because we believe that the Asimov law, we say that machines shouldn't. Uh, you know, harm human, kill humans is good, but you can't implement them. Yeah. You can't say machine don't kill a human because the machine is not alive. So first, it doesn't know what is alive or death. Yeah. There's thousands of ways to kill human. Want to do the good, it could simply decide to store 100 humans in a warehouse for 10 years without food and electricity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I think it do, it do the good. So it doesn't work. But a human emotion is the best way to control machine. And that's what we're implementing. I mean, it gets into some really fascinating future conversations. Uh, I mean, we obviously, as, as a species, we've obviously always had, uh, you know, different levels of what is acceptable or not, and that changes over time. So without getting into a very broad conversation on human ethics, because 
the same might start applying, which is which is interesting. But let's let's just go maybe a bit more practical and pragmatic when it comes to to that element of the EPU. So at the moment you have available um, an SDK and a, an evaluation kit that uh, developers can work with. Um, so. I guess you've, you've said you've put in some of these um, recognitions of certain emotions and this kind of pain and pleasure reward system or negative reward system. So with the, the evaluation kit and the SDK, what are developers allowed to change? I mean, is it possible to like hack the chip in quote marks if they wanted to? I mean, everything's, oh, everything's okay. possible, of course, but you know, I mean, what, by default, what access do you give them anyway? Um, the, that's why we put this inside a chip and it's not in the yeah. cloud or in the software. Yeah, 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 yeah. The chip is like a safe. Yeah. You know, you can't hack a chip. It's impossible. You can hack a software, but you can't hack a chip. Mm. It's a place where it's very safe and positive emotion will always output pleasure and negative emotion will always output pain. And no uh, developer can invent this. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why we, that's why we, we create it that way. Um, you can the user can teach uh, can modify a little bit his learning about the chip. But um, uh, anyway, if you say to your robot that what makes you happy is to go to kill uh, Chris, mm. uh, first when you're going to tell him this is going to get scared, uh, and uh, when he see your your reaction, your emotional response when he try to come to kill you, he's going to stop because he's going to receive too much pain. Okay. The thing is that what we deliver is the chip. With the SDK, and what the output of the chip will be always positive. I mean, human has the, the capability to invert the polarity. I mean, you, Chris, and myself, even, mm. I'm probably good. I see myself as good, but I can be sometimes very happy to see someone suffering. Mm. Let's imagine that someone comes to try to kill you, and I stop him, and uh, you will be happy. Yeah. So you are able, yeah. to, invert, you're, you're able to invert your polarity, uh, for a short period of time. But if you're a normal person, you will revert back because yeah. the opposite. You like to see people happy around you and that makes you happy. Uh, if you are a psychopath, you are inverted in polarity and you don't change. Yeah. And that's why we don't want no one to have access to the polarity of the chip and that's why inside the chip is that the robot can never revert its polarity even for a short period of time like human can do. Okay. The chip will always output pleasure for positive emotion and, and pain for negative emotion. Now, what the, the developer of this robot will do, I mean, maybe the, the, the robot developer could say, okay, I'm going to send my robot that he wants to experience more pain and avoid the pleasure. Mm. I low. And then it will create something very negative. But then it's like any technology, Chris. I mean, uh, with electricity, you can save millions of lives, but you can still kill people. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, uh, exactly. Um, just, just out of interest, though, I mean, what about some of the emotions? Like, obviously, so for example, fear. Let, let's say, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's a few things that most of humanity is fearful of. There's a, a lot of things that most of humanity has joy for but then there's some other emotions on this list that are a little sort of vaguer depending on the person like um regret confidence anticipation so how how have you decided what to classify those as and can those sort of vaguer emotions be 
overridden or changed by the developers? No, what, what, the, what the developer can do is that he can inject in the device, in the chip, its own emotions wave. So, okay. for example, if, it's a, if you connect this chip to a car, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and you use, for example, a self-driving car, imagine in 10 years' time from now, you have self-driving cars with uh, no tests inside the car, because mm. everything is going to be about the living experience in your car. Mm-hmm. And then what you can do is you can wire all the, the, the physical feedback of the car to the chip. And so the temperature of the car, of the engine, the pressure of the tire, the level of gasoline, the, the level of water, pre- I mean, all the the, 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 the the car can send stimuli to the chip and the chip will convert this in emotional states. Because we allow the developer to wire any input, any stimuli into an emotional state. So they could say that um, low gasoline can create fear for the car okay. or happiness. They can, they can decide whatever they want. Huh. Okay. So they can create, they can build inside uh, the chip and, and do their own uh, development. Okay, that's interesting. So, yeah, so basically when you start looking at it from a more developer perspective, it's like any other sensor, really. But instead of detecting yes. hot or cold or light levels, you're detecting levels of, yeah, emotions, which is, <laughs> it's, it's kind of... It's kind of interesting to look at like that. And actually, I, I've in, I interviewed in the past couple of weeks one company generating music through an AI and yesterday actually a company that was doing things with brainwaves. And I think one of the, the, the things I picked up from both of those and I'm also getting from you is that actually once you start thinking about pretty much anything as sort of levels of input and output, it's surprisingly easy to start reacting to them. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it, it's sort of, it, it almost feels um, worrying that that's possible, but I, I guess we always knew that, but just now systems are able to to process that quicker and do something with it, I guess. Um, yes, I mean, yeah. soon you're going to be able to ask your car how it feels. <laughs> and your car will tell you, I feel good or I don't feel good. And you're going to ask her, why? I say, I have some pain. Why? Where is it? And then uh, I have this problem and uh, and you should take me to the garage. And by the way, there's a BMW garage two kilometers from here. It yeah. would make me very happy yeah. uh, if you can yeah. survive. So your relation with your car is going to be like really personal, like a transformer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. Um, I just want to ask one more question, then I'm going to go into a little bit of the, the products you have available. Uh, I, I couldn't resist uh, going for this, and um, you've probably been asked this as well, because you said to me a, a chip can't be hacked. I mean, we haven't really had issues with chips being hacked, but of course we've had in the past few months very big news of problems with chips that meant that systems could be hacked. Um, so very large scale rollouts of, of certain chips. Um, if if uh, your EPU2 is, is shown to have a problem that, I mean, dealing with emotions could, it could who knows what sort of the result could be. What, what do you, how, how could you fix it? Yeah, so, so what we have on the chip is that all chip, every uh, uh, specific amount of time need to authenticate themselves on our servers. To say, yes, I'm still alive. And the server will tell her, oh, you're still authorized to work. So actually, we have a kind of reset, not reset button, but uh, 
uh, a stop button. So if it was any problem with one particular chip, um, or any problem with the device, we could deactivate the chip. Okay, okay, okay. So actually then let's just uh, go through some of the little, quickly the, the products we haven't mentioned, just because I'm interested in what they are, and then we'll wrap things up. So we've talked about the chip, we've talked about the evaluation kit, but you've also got here um, a, a device called the ExoLife Emotion Engine. I'm not entirely sure what that is. What is that? Yeah, so actually... Um, Okay, the, the chip, let's imagine, I'm going to give you some user case interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine you put the chip inside an e-reader, like a Kindle, mm-hmm. and you ask your e-reader to read a story. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What would happen with the chip inside is that for the first time, the e-reader will read the story, yeah. understand the meaning of the story, and when the story is getting scared, you will feel in the voice of the Kindle that the Kindle itself gets scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when the, the, the story is getting beautiful... The, 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 you will feel in the voice of the Kindle that the Kindle itself gets happy. Mm-hmm. So this will change the way you will perceive machine because you're not going to feel that the machine is reading a story to you. You're going to feel that you and the machine together are reading a story. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of application. And why we create Exolife is because we believe that there's a real potential for gamers. Yeah, 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 definitely. People feel a lot of emotion when they play games. They feel happy to win, scared to lose, but they play again games that are rule-based. The game doesn't feel nothing. Mm. It's hard-coded. Whatever the game will win or lose, or the game win or lose, it doesn't change anything. When you plug the chip inside the game, the game starts to become sentient. The game starts to feel scared to lose or happy to win. It can change the strategy in real time. You can talk to your game, and you can say to your game or your character in your game, I'm going to kill you, and the, the character gets scared and start to change his weapon, change his strategy in real time. So we have the new dimension, and we announced in September that we created Unity and Unreal plugin, mm. which are the two main game engine. And uh, so if a game developer, if a person wants to buy one, a game that become compatible with our chip, he can buy the ExoLife. So the ExoLife is actually our chip inside. He plug it to a computer at home, and this creates a small uh, intranet, at home where all his device can use the engine dynamically. So if you have a game on Xbox or PlayStation that is compatible with our API, then you can use it. If you have, a, imagine the future, uh, your car was an AI and uh, you can open a port on your firewall and then you can use the engine inside the chip. So you create a small cloud in your house where all your device can use the chip. Okay, okay, okay. And I guess the uh, one-year EPG cloud service is the, the monitoring system that you mentioned that it phones home to every now and then. Is that that or is that something yeah, else? It allows actually our customer to monitor. And, and without the service, your chip will not develop a personality or a sensibility. Okay. When you have the service, the chip develops a sensibility, can do reinforcement learning, so learn things. And what if you want to go to a new model of chip or a new model of product, we can transfer all this to a new model. Mm, mm. <laughs> so that's part of the cloud service. Okay, okay. And so I guess finally, um, do you have any uh, that you can mention any any potential or current clients that are looking to try this and are actually using this in or testing I mean, using uh, it? It's it's difficult because we're under NDA. No, for sure. For we sure. have a lot. 
we have a lot of traction with a lot of companies. I mean, our first client was one of the top two or three companies in Germany. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, we have a lot of traction even in Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, what I can say is that the company called, the only company that speak out about what we're doing is Orange. Okay. I don't know if you know with Orange. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Telco, yeah. They are not very well known, but in Europe much more. So Orange actually uh, 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 created a press release. It was for the CS, where they officially announced that we are a partnership and that they start to integrate their all technology inside their product. Mm. So you can, if you go to a website, you can see the press, this press release from Orange. You can also see uh, the video of Jade. So you're going to see that this how realistic is this avatar, mm, mm. And, uh, and how the avatar start to react. You will see that sometimes she has some tears coming mm. or smile coming based on the direct output of the chip. Um, so yes, you will you will see some uh, interacting uh, interesting uh, news on our website about this. Okay, it's it's quite fascinating. Um, unfortunately, the uh, the. The evaluation kit is a little out of my price range, but uh, but I would be interested to hear what people, what experiences people have with that in the future. Um, yeah, I'm still. Yeah, I'm, cool. yeah. I'm still. Un, I'm still unsure quite what I what how I feel, you know, emotionally about the idea. But technically speaking, it's it's fascinating. Yeah. If I have to 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 say one last thing is yeah, that for sure. What we try to do to that chip is the human life, or at least the biological life, as value. Mm -hmm. We don't want the machine to take as value their own survival. Mm. So what we did here is that the value inside the chip is the human life, not yeah. the machine life, not the yeah. machine survival. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's quite fascinating. I like that kind of... <laughs> A method that you've tried and hopefully hopefully it works <laughs> we have to wait and see there but it's a, you know, it's, it's an interesting idea better, you know if you if you walk in the forest chris yeah. you prefer to meet a dog than a wolf yeah for sure both uh, are exactly the same animal mm. one has developed more emotions yeah and then now you're getting close to humans <laughs> yeah. the other one has less emotions and intelligence without emotion can be extremely cruel. 